welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Today, we're joined by Annalie Maley. Annalie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. The first thing, just so that we clarify this for everybody, me included, what do you prefer to be called? I prefer that people call me Maley. And I picked that up because it was hard to say my name on the court when people were like calling for the ball. They'd be like, Annalie, like... I can never say my name, so I'd usually just go with Maylee. Okay, cool. So we'll stick to that. Okay. So, Maylee, for any of the people who are listening who don't know your background, how did you get into basketball and also how did you decide on taking the U.S. college pathway? I, I kind of was bred into basketball. Like, you know, like my mum and my dad played and I think that from a young age, like growing up watching my dad play and then like being around my older brother who played as well, like I kind of just fell into it and, you know, I was never forced on it, you know, and I was never, you know, told that I had to do it. I kind of just fell in love with it, you know, since I was about five. And then when I was younger, I always said that I wanted to try college. I'm like, I, you know, I really wanted to go that pathway and see if it was the one for me. So when the opportunity came up for me to go to the University of Oregon, it was pretty exciting. You know, it was kind of a dream of mine to always experience that. And there, like, I had a really great time. I had a lot of awesome experiences. And I tried my hand at a, a different experience at Texas, uh, TCU. And that was like living in Texas was like living on a different planet. Um, (laughs) Very different. I am glad that I went there as well, just kind of see what it was like. And then I ended up landing on my feet back home. But I am glad that I tried that route. It's not for everyone, but it does work out for a lot of people. And I'd never be angry that, you know, I did give it a go. Fair enough. Now, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people who may not know that your, your dad played in the NBL back in the day. I unfortunately still have memories of the odd game against the Kings here in Sydney where he <laughs> broke our heart, but I'm not going to hold that against him. We, we can move on. Um, yes. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about is when you went to Eugene, to the University of Oregon, mm-hmm. did you visit the campus before you went? I did. I did. I saw it. I fell in love with Oregon. I think it's such a beautiful state. Like, oh my God, the mountains, like the ability to explore. So I think what really hooked me there was the environment and the school was gorgeous. Like it really felt like a campus that was stuck in the middle of a, you know, twilight setting. So it was, it, it was beautiful. Out of everybody that we've interviewed so far that's been to a US college, you're the first one that actually has visited the campus before they went. Yeah, um, I was pretty lucky. Yeah. Now, what I wanted to ask you was, are you aware that Eugene, Oregon has had an impact on the Simpsons? What? Yes. No, I had no idea. And it's funny that you say that because I was literally just talking to my roommate about how The Simpsons predicts the future. <laughs> we just had a plan before while I was doing a little bit of schoolwork. So, <laughs> Yeah, apparently Moe's Bar from The Simpsons is modelled on a place called Max's Bar in Eugene. No way. Yeah. Are and you serious? Serious. And also... I've been there. Oh, there you go. You've been to Moe's. Oh, my God. I'll have to read up on that. I'd like to know a little bit more. Yeah, and also there's uh, apparently a, a wilderness explorer statue on the, the campus somewhere or other. There is? Yep. That's, wow. That's Jebediah's The more you're saying, the more I'm like, how did I not notice this when I was there? <laughs> I think the creators of The Simpsons have kept a lot of that fairly quiet. It's just sort of slowly leaks out over time. Yeah, it does tend to do that, hey? So there you go. A statue on your campus is actually Jebediah Springfield. <laughs> That's so funny. 
So I actually want to spend a little bit of time talking about the differences between the two colleges because you've gone from Eugene, which has got a population of, I think, about a couple of hundred thousand, to Fort Worth, which is well over a million in population, to a new campus. What was that like for you? Oh, wow. Okay. So it really was such a different experience. Like, as I mentioned before, like Oregon is just so beautiful and green and gorgeous. And as just, there was a lot of exploring and hiking and everything that I did. And I think I'm always someone that says yes to everything. Which is, so, you know, the, the opportunity came up for me to go to Texas and I was like, ah, sure. Why not? You know, like, let's, what's the worst that could happen? And like, I really mean it when I say it, Fort Worth and Texas is like a different planet. Like uh, the people are lovely, but very different. And they looked at me like an alien half the time because I'm a little bit of a bogan and I don't hold my tongue. So I, it, you know, I, it was, um, it was interesting. I did. I am happy that I went just because I felt like I was in a movie 90% of the time, like going to football games and walking around Walmart. And it was just all so funny to me. And I did laugh at very inappropriate times. And I just thought everything was just hilarious. So that was, it was a lot of fun though. I am, and I loved my team. They were great. Oh my God, what a bunch of crazy people, like absolutely wonderful, lovely, crazy Texan humans. So it was, it was great. Yeah. And they got a pretty unique name, the Horn Toads, I think. The Horned Frogs. The Horned Frogs. Sorry, Who yes. knew? Who knew? Uh, but funnily enough, it's actually a lizard, you know? <laughs> and okay. like, I'm still in contact with a lot of the girls that I went to college with, and I, I still am in contact with the coaches at TCU. Like, they were great. I actually can't say a bad thing about them. And people ask me that, and they're like, oh, why did you leave? And I was like, well, I was kind of ready to go home. You know, like, it was nothing against anything that they did or whatever. I was just. I was ready to start my life at home again, and I was like, oh, I've done this now, you know? Like, <laughs> so that would have been a pretty big shift for you. Like, you know, you've gone from Oregon to Texas and then back home. How did you feel, you know, getting back home and kind of like um, dealing with all the differences? So one of the reasons, i got to be honest, that I did leave Texas is because I got accepted into an art school in Melbourne. It was a school that I had always wanted to go to, and I didn't get in the first time I applied. And so I had reapplied when I left Oregon and then I found out that I got accepted while I was in Texas and I was like, oh my God, I have to go home. You know, like this is one of the reasons. So when I got home, you know, like I started uni, my graphic design and visual arts degree at LCI and that stands for something French. So I don't even know, I I would butcher it if I tried to say it, but I was pretty lucky because I kind of walked, as soon as I got home, I walked into a setup, you know, I was back at uni, I had a job. And I had signed to play NBL one with Diamond Valley. So I was really lucky. A lot of people kind of stay in a bit of state of limbo when they leave college, but I really was blessed to walk back into something that just felt like, oh, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And I still have that feeling like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Like if I didn't go to college, I wouldn't be right here, you know? So I am real glad that I was able to walk back into such a comfortable environment. That's cool. So the whole graphic arts thing, I mean, we've spoken to a lot of players and a lot of people across basketball. I'll be honest, you're the first one that we've spoken to who's really had a focus on graphic arts and design. What is it about graphic arts and design that you find interesting? 
I've always like done drawings and sketches and stuff like it would have been about maybe 2016 when I had left the Australian Institute of Sport and I actually quit basketball and I was kind of trying to figure out like who I was and what made up me without basketball and I really got into art and painting and I painted a couple of really giant pieces and some murals and Um, started doing portraits and stuff like that and then developing the art I took a couple of art classes at college and I just kind of would paint all the time because it was my you know my downtime you know the time where I could turn my brain off and especially when getting back into basketball like it was so nice to have that outlet for me which was art and design and you know it started off with just you know the the paint and onto canvas and the pen to paper and then when I got to college I got introduced to you know like the digital arts like using Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop and using your Apple iPad to draw with the Apple pen and and then it just kind of developed from there and I got into graphic design when I was at TCU where I did my first design class and I just kind of fell in love with it so when I got accepted into visual arts and graphic design at the school back home I was like this is this is it you know this is what I love doing and like I think that for me having basketball as well as art is a really nice balance and I also work in like graphics and social media and website management and stuff in my part-time job so it all kind of marries together which is really nice. That's really cool I think it's an area where there's so much opportunity because the scope is so big depending on what it is that you want to do. Um, yeah. Is there any particular area that you, like if you had a choice where you'd like to end up in that particular field? Yeah. So I, it's hard because it's like in my downtime, I like to draw portraits, but obviously that's not where I want to go with my career. So I'm hoping that all of the experience that I get in graphic design and advertising and stuff will help me get into like a sports marketing kind of field, like helping run like sports social media accounts and doing the graphics for, you know, big time sports clubs. And, you know, when you see like NBA teams do like their graphic advertisements and their little videography snippets, like that's probably where I want to go. That's where I'd like to end up. And I do manage a few social media accounts at the moment. I get to do it on a small scale, but eventually with the right tools and all that. But, you know, like I'm pretty fortunate. I do get a lot of creative freedom in the job that I have at the moment. So it's hard because it's like I do know where I want to go, but I'm pretty happy where I am working right now, you know? Yeah, it's it's one of those areas where there's so much opportunity. And really, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've come across a lot of people in that field who they start off in one particular area with a focus on wanting to get somewhere and they end up going in a completely different direction. Absolutely, yeah. Like I started off just doing social media accounts and then I graduated to websites, which graduated to photography, which then graduated to like graphic advertisements and then short little videos and then videography and then it always grows. So like you end up having like a portfolio of like this endless evolving toolkit, which is really cool. Yeah, it really is. And like you said, you get involved in so many different things, photography, videography, graphic design, motion graphics. It's just endless. And the other thing that's really cool about it is that when you really get into something, a few hours later you've kind of you finished whatever it is that you're doing and you don't feel like you've spent that time on it at all. No, no. And that's for me, that's where I get um, a lot of fulfillment out of art and design and I don't feel like I'm working. You know, like I just feel like I'm creating 
which is a pretty awesome thing that like I can go to basketball training and then I, you know, I can work, but it doesn't feel like work. It's still downtime. Like I'm still creating, which is really cool. You know, like that's, I'm pretty lucky that at the age of 22, like I've found a passion in an area. A lot of people don't really know what they're doing, but like I'm always open to kind of grow and maybe in another 10 years I'll be like, hmm, maybe I want to be a vet. So like I usually just kind of follow <laughs> where my heart takes me and I usually land on my feet. That's cool. So, look, let's just get back a little bit to basketball. One of the things I want to ask you about is how you found the difference between your college basketball experience and what you've experienced here in NBL 1 and the WNBL. Well, for me, the college basketball was... I don't know. It was interesting. It's a very different type of basketball. It's a bit more individual, I feel. And again, that depends on the conference and the team that you do play in and play for. But the experiences that I had, I felt like it was less of a team flow game and more of like one-on-one, which isn't a bad thing. It's just not really my type of basketball. And then comparing it to the WNBL, I do feel like it's more of a team game in Australia at WNBL and NBL1. Like it's, I don't know how to really explain it other than it feels like more of a group victory if that makes sense and groups are celebrated versus individuals you know what I mean that's just like the small difference that I found at the end of the day like for me having my family around me and my bubble of people was much more important than being in America so like my family is very important and my friends are my family as well so like that was you know like the off-court balance is probably a little bit more in our favor in Australia I think whereas like in America America, it felt very basketball heavy. Does that kind of make any sort of sense? Yeah, it does. It's interesting that you say that because I have heard from other people that we've spoken to that there's more of a balance to basketball in Australia than there is in the US. But even still, the basketball bubble here in Australia, and when I say bubble, I mean like, you know, the basketball world. Is pretty, yeah. is pretty intense anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I absolutely. think that, you know, the ability that you've got, this ability to be able to have that escape, even if you're at practice, you can just pull out a, a piece of paper and do something, gives you that ability to just kind of step out of it whenever yeah. you need to, just to sort of keep that balance. I, I think that that's pretty accurate, yeah. One of the things that people may not know about you is that you are a pretty serious dog lover. Yeah. <laughs> So I was going to start off by asking, what kind of dog do you have? So I have a Ridgeback crossed with a black lab and his name is Loki and he is about just over a year old and about 45 kilos. So he's giant. (laughs) Wow. That's yeah. That's actually that's a pretty interesting cross, Ridgeback and, and Lab. Um, Absolutely, yes. <laughs> so not only is he huge, he must also have a hell of an appetite. Yes. Oh my god. And like, you know, Labradors are famous for their ability to eat. So you cross that with something that can stomach anything and he, at times, I have left him inside for a little bit too long and he has eaten a block of cheese off the table or a whole rotisserie chicken. Like, he is an absolute fiend for anything food. Like, and he's one of those where I'm eating my dinner and he's supposed to be on his mat and he'll start on his mat. And then I'll look back over and he's not there anymore and I'll look down and he's got his head on my feet. Like, please. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I just fed you. But, no, I am an avid dog person. Not being able to bring him up to Sydney because of COVID and the bubble was really hard. He was supposed to come up with me. 
And instead, I found a dog park around the corner from where we were living and I went and sat in it with my morning coffee every day. So I I found ways around it. So that actually brings up an interesting point. After the season's over, are you going to head back to Sydney or are you going to head straight back home? I'm actually going to spend some time in Queensland on a holiday with my partner. She plays for Adelaide, so we are going to spend Christmas up in Queensland, which will be really nice. And then afterwards, I will head home to continue my extended holiday. My mum lives in Ocean Grove, which is a little beach town in Melbourne. So I will then head down to Ocean Grove with my dog and my partner and take a couple more weeks off. So I'm pretty lucky. (laughs) That's cool. Where is Ocean Grove exactly? Ocean Grove is uh, just a little bit past Geelong, like a little bit further down the coast. It is, oh my God, it's so beautiful. It's like near Barwon Heads. It's a holiday destination pretty much. So it's at that time of the year, there's going to be lots of people down there at their beach houses and stuff. So so is that anywhere near Indented Head? I don't know. Never heard of that. Indented Head's down that way. So I, I grew up holidaying at Aries Inlet, which is near Anglesey along the Great Ocean Road. So it's kind of across the bay on the other side is where Ocean Grove is. Yeah. Indented Head's down past Geelong. I don't know what else is close to it, but... Indented Head. I googled it while we were talking. Ah, yes. Actually, okay. So Indented Head is it's on the inside of the bay. Yep. And literally, if you drive down past probably past Point Lonsdale, Ocean Grove's right there. So Indented Head. So Ocean Grove is on the outside of the bay, whereas Indented Head is on the middle, like on the middle part. But yes, they are quite close. Okay, cool. Now I've got an idea of of the area because we stayed at Indented Head when we did a trip down through the Great Ocean Road. It's a really nice area. It'd be a great place to spend a few weeks. And my mum's got a puppy as well. So I'm not angry that I get to go down and hang out with my mum, of course, but also her beautiful curly-coated retriever puppy. So. (laughs) Okay, so it's going to be curly-coated retriever and a lab Ridgeback Cross. (laughs) What a pair. What a pair. (laughs) And do they both like to swim? Oh, my God. My dog is obsessed with water. He is a fiend. He just figured out how to open the pool door back home. Um, So he lets himself in for swims when it gets too hot. Like, labs are water dogs and so are Ridgebacks. So I take him surfing with me when I go, and he swims all the way out into the waves with me and duck dives under the waves and surfs with me. So he is... A water dog for sure, yes. (laughs) That is so cool. Um, Yes, I do get in trouble when there's other surfers in the water though because apparently he looks like a seal, which is definitely something I should probably be aware of. (laughs) I actually hadn't thought about that, yeah. (laughs) Look, we have to every so often get back to basketball. Um, Oh, yes, that old topic. (laughs) I suppose one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was you had a pretty big season in the NBL1 not that long ago. How important do you think that season was for your transition into the WNBL? I think that in terms of like confidence is, I think, 80% of the game. Like if you believe in yourself, then you can do pretty much anything. Like we spend so long and so many hours training and working on, you know, our game and stuff. And then when we get an opportunity to kind of show that off and stuff it's you know it's pretty exciting so I think that in that season I was lucky enough to be able to experiment with moves and combinations and really test myself as a basketball player and 
that played a lot into my self-confidence and my self-belief, which I think is one of the biggest things as athletes that we need to believe in ourselves. I think that season set me up to be the basketball player that I am and to highlight areas where I still need to grow. It was one of the biggest stepping stones that I had taken, yeah. With the experience that you've had with different teams overseas and here in Australia, how do you find the cultural differences when you are moving from team to team and adapting to the the differences that those teams have? Like it's a skill to be able to adapt to each team's culture because no team, no two teams have the same, you know, and I've said it a few times, we're so lucky here that we have a group of people that have all really bought into the importance of a healthy and balanced team culture. So everyone taking part in the sports psych sessions and really being engaged. And there's a massive stressing point really on just lifting each other up and being the best that we can be for each other. And I think when I compare that to every other team, it's it's hard because every team's different. Like it's, there's definitely a lot of teams that I've been in that have had a great culture, but this one that we have at Sydney is just, it's pretty special. Like I feel like we all gelled pretty fast straight away, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, that was one of the things that we noticed that the team and the players, particularly it's such a significantly new roster, seem to gel really well together. Um, Yeah. A lot of the players that we've spoken to from the team have said one of the areas where you really stand out is your ability to chase a rebound. You just just will not give it up. (laughs) That does sound about right. (laughs) What's the psychology for you when you're kind of in a lot of traffic and you you want to get that ball? Well, I'm a very competitive person. And the way that I have always thought about it is if I run in to get the offensive board 10 times, right, I won't get it all 10 times. I might get it two out of the 10 times. But if I run in every single time, that's two out of the 10 times that another person isn't going to get it. And they might box me out five out of the 10 times or eight out of the 10 times or even nine out of the 10 times but that one time they don't I'll be there for the rebound so the thought process behind it is if I just do it every time no one's going to box me out every single time and so it's like outworking my opponent in that way I like the competitive nature of that do you think also that because you're attacking the ball so much like that that other teams are going to because they're going to put more attention on you there's more openings elsewhere we have a team that's full of very skilled offensive rebounders. Like it's actually really cool to play with a lot of like-minded people that are willing to, you know, put their body on the line. So I absolutely think that if I'm getting boxed out hard, it means that someone else is going to be able to run in and get it. We have to talk about the fact that this is a crazy short season. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> How are you approaching the fact that it's like a crazy amount of games over a period of? you know, 30-odd days or so. I kind of love the concept. Think about it. So much basketball. Like, we don't have to change. It's just basketball. It's everything we love about basketball is the games. And we get to have that every day almost. Selfishly, I know other people's bodies might not think the same, but I love the concept. What do you think is going to be the trick for teams to keep their heads up on such a punishing schedule? I've actually said this a few times. I think that at the end of the day, teams are going to beat themselves, especially with us. Like we're not going to get beaten by other people unless we beat ourselves. So that's, you know, having our heads up, not getting down on ourselves. Like maybe we have one game that we think we could do better at, you know, like it's about the turnaround time where we can pick ourselves up. So 
it's a mental game and really the only people we have to compete against are ourselves. So I think that's the biggest thing, like the team that can stick together, stay unified, stay united and really just hone in on the details and the small things and function as a unit and keep that good culture. Like that's the team that's going to be successful. You're absolutely right with that. I think one of the things that's going to be the real telling point is probably about start of the third week of the season. This is where the ability to be able to not only keep your head up, but also the recoveries to continue on with the game schedule. Yeah, just being diligent in what we're doing on and off the court. And I know a lot of us are still working and still at uni, so managing the life demands with the basketball demands is going to be really important. But I think that, you know, especially in this team, we all respect each other on a level to where we'll probably make it a priority to help each other out if that does become an issue. So how are you guys feeling at the moment? Oh, my God, so excited. You know, we've all put in the work and just been grinding and uh, putting our bodies on the line every day at practice and working so hard, and I just can't wait to see it all come together. How has Frog been throughout this whole thing? Because I know it's a really tough load on her, trying to work out, you know, the strategies that you're going to have against various teams, ways to be able to manage recovery, ways to be able to manage the roster throughout the different games. How's she been doing through all of this? Well, the way that she coaches is the way that she played. Like, she was a brilliant player. She's so smart. So she coaches with this brilliant basketball mind, you know. Like, she's always aware of how our bodies would be feeling because she knows what it's like, you know. Like, she's been there. And I think it's pretty special for us to have a coach that is so self-aware. Like, she knows that what she says and the way she acts affects us. So, like, when she coaches, like, she's, you know, very educational and everything that she says, she says with a purpose. And, you know, we learn a lot from her, which is, you know, she doesn't just coach us, but she teaches us, which is a massive thing to have from a coach. And finally, I wanted to ask you, what are your basketball goals? My basketball goals? Yeah. Okay, so I would love to one day go to an Olympics with a three-on-three national team. I've For for the longest time, it was ovals, but not that I wouldn't be honoured if that was ever to happen, but I would really love to someday represent my country in the 3x3. So that at the moment, that's my biggest end goal. And then goals for the season, like I want to be in a WNBL final and I want to win. So I'm hoping that, you know, like I'm not hoping, I'm fully confident in our team's ability to get to a finals and really compete. For my goals this season would be to make a finals and to win it. And then looking further than that, I would love to continue my growth in five on five, but also especially the 3x3 realm. It's interesting you mention that. How do you find the differences between 3x3 and the traditional game? I think they complement each other really well. Like I always play my best 5 and 5 basketball when I've been playing a lot of 3x3. I feel like for me it's perfect because there's no fouls. I can really straight ball up my defense and when I'm going in for an offensive rebound I can throw people around. You know, like it's, it's the physicality level that I love to play at. And I really enjoy playing it. It's 
you know, player driven. You don't have a coach sitting on the sideline. You rotate after every possession and it's a short, quick, intense game. And I think that it gives you tools that better your five on five game. So I think the two marry hand in hand really well, but also it forces you to excel in the areas in which you're weak. You are exposed every time you have the ball because, you know, if you don't have a left hand, they can just push you out of the court. You know, like you have to be able to have your skills on every level and you can't hide behind for other teammates. It's just you and the basketball. So I love it. I think that it's incredible. And I think that it's something that we should be doing as a tool to better our five-on-five skills, I think. Okay. Well, Maylee, thanks very much for your time. I'm sure all the Flames fans are going to be tuning in over the next few weeks to watch the team go at it against what is a really tough competition. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. Of course. Of course. Thank you. 